Welcome to Pop Health Week right here on Healthcare Now Radio. I'm your co-host and executive producer, Greg Masters, and I proudly serve as the Managing Director of Health Innovation Media. And joining me in our cutting-edge virtual studio is the co-founder and principal co-host of Pop Health Week, the one and only Fred Goldstein. Not only that, Fred also wears the hat of President at Accountable Health, LLC. Pop Health Week is your go-to platform for lively conversation where industry leaders and stakeholders from all corners, including payers, providers, patient vendors, and regulatory communities come together to swap the best ideas and strategy in population health. To get in touch with us, swing by www.popupstudio.productions or why not drop me a direct message on Twitter I'm Greg Masters, MPH, and that is Greg with a double G. You can also reach out to Fred Goldstein via FS Goldstein or www.accountablehealthllc.com. Today, we've got a real treat lined up for you. We're thrilled to have Mike Edgeworth, MD, MS, the Chief Population Health Officer at Octave Biosciences in the house. Dr. Edgeworth, a neurologist by trade, is at the helm of Octave Bioscience, a company that's rewriting the playbook on how we approach multiple sclerosis care and treatment. They're delivering an innovative precision care solution that's making waves in the world of MS patient care. We dive deep into this paradigm shift in MS care and treatment. And now, without further ado, let's hand over the mic to the one and only Fred. Thanks so much, Greg and Mike. Welcome to Pop Health Week. Thank you, Fred. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to get you on an interesting area I'm really looking forward to learning more about. So why don't we start, give us a little bit of your background. Sure. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I'm a neurologist. I currently serve as the Chief Population Health Officer for Octave, which we'll get into in a little bit more detail later. I um, trained in neurology at Vanderbilt University here in Nashville, Tennessee, which is home for me, uh, then spent some time on faculty uh, and, and uh, then later in private practice as a general neurologist. My my subspecialty training is actually in neuro-oncology, uh, and that's what I did at Vanderbilt, treating patients with primary brain tumors, and private practice was more of a general neurologist, and then had this crazy um, calling about six years into private practice to leave and join a health plan. So I left my practice in 2014 and went to work for a national health insurance plan where I was a med exec for seven years and uh, spent seven years focused on value-based care, supporting populations of patients, um, helping to improve outcomes while impacting the total cost of care and affordability for healthcare, which we all know is an issue. And, uh, and then also focused on solutions for patients with chronic diseases. About two and a half years ago, I was introduced to Octave, uh, an incredibly innovative company focused on solutions for patients with neurodegenerative diseases, which, of course, is back in my uh, clinical passion of neurology and uh, made the decision to uh, leave the health plan and join Octave and I've been there for about two and a half years and it's an incredible organization and solution that we're bringing to the table. So you leave the health plan side to go to a sort of a startup tech in a sense? That's so right. Tell us about Octave. 
So Octave is a, a company that uh, I guess originally has its roots around 2014. It was around 2018, though, where we uh, received uh, funding to begin research and development of what we call a precision care solution for patients with multiple sclerosis. On the broader level, Octave is interested in neurodegenerative diseases as a whole. We decided to tackle multiple sclerosis out of the gate, uh, though we are already beginning to move into Parkinson's disease space as well. So can you give the audience a sense of multiple sclerosis? I know most of us know the term. What is it and how does it impact patients? Yes. MS is uh, obviously the acronym for multiple sclerosis. MS is what we call an immune-mediated disease. So the immune system, um, for some reason, begins to trigger an inflammatory response in the body, which attacks in MS, that inflammation attacks the central nervous system, which is the brain and the spinal cord. And the part of the brain and spinal cord it attacks is really kind of the insulation around our nerves. All of our nerves, or not all, but many of our nerves have insulation around them. And just like if you kind of imagine stripping the insulation and the wiring in your walls, the signal won't get from the switch to the light bulb. Same concept in MS. So the uh, this immune system triggers inflammation, attacks this insulation, strips it, and then out of that, patients have neurological injury. And so it, and, and the injury and the, the deficit uh, is what we call it, is completely dependent on where in the brain or spinal cord that attack occurs. So commonly we see patients lose vision in their eye because it attacks the nerve to the eye. Patients will have numbness or weakness. Um, it oftentimes impacts balance. So falls are very common in patients with multiple sclerosis. It, uh, it impacts cognition. We do see a lot of patients who have complaints of what we call brain fog and cognitive impairment. Fatigue is a major symptom. Pain is a common symptom with MS. Uh, and there are also comorbid conditions that accompany MS, like depression and anxiety. Um, MS is, is a little unique compared to other neurodegenerative diseases in that it's a younger population. We oftentimes think of patients with neurodegenerative diseases as being a little bit older, which is kind of what we see with Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's disease. But MS attacks a younger generation. It begins in your 20s, 30s, 40s. The average age is probably around 48 to 50. Uh, it is three to one more common in women than men. And so you can also think about this impacting a working age. Um, population that um, uh, is also of childbearing age, which has a big impact sometimes on treatment decisions. So uh, MS, um, just from a number standpoint, mm -hmm. MS impacts about a million Americans, about a million Americans with multiple sclerosis. That number greatly increased about five years ago when we redid an analysis of the United States to understand what's the current prevalence. The previous understanding was that there were probably around 450 to 500,000. That study showed that we were grossly underestimating the number of patients with MS in the US. So about a million Americans with MS. Um, and it's a very, very expensive condition. On average, it cost 
about $65,000 per patient per year uh, in the treatment of MS. And that does not include any of what we call indirect medical costs, the impact it has on you know, being absent from work. I'm not including any of that. Mm -hmm. And you, you said it impacts women to men at a ratio about three to one. Are there other groups where we see disparate numbers in individuals impacted by this? Within MS specifically? Yeah, like with by race yeah. or? Yeah, or... you know, it's a, it's a really interesting question today. I would say 10 years ago, we would say that this was, we were taught that this was a disease more commonly impacting Caucasians than uh, patients of color uh, or other ethnicities. And now we, there's great evidence coming out that we have also grossly underestimated the impact on minority populations. Um, there are various reasons we think that could be. Some is just going to be around the underrepresentation of patients of color, um, Hispanic, uh, Latino, others who are just underrepresented in clinical trials and surveys in general have probably led us to underestimate the impact of diagnosing MS. Uh, and then secondly, of course, we all know about the uh, inequities that exist in healthcare today. Those inequities oftentimes not only lead to underdiagnosing, but undertreating as well. So we often, and then the other thing I'll add is we've oftentimes thought of MS as being in uh, higher prevalence in northern climates, Scandinavian countries, northern United States, compared with, you know, climates closer to the equator or even in the southern U.S., um, that's actually being challenged a little bit as well, too. We think there may be just underestimations in those southern climates. Is this something that a provider might not recognize or diagnose as early, depending on their expertise and specialty area, things like that? One of the challenging things with MS is the diagnosis of MS. There are many what we call mimickers of multiple sclerosis because it doesn't present with the same features and symptoms. And because of the way I described it, attacking the brain and spinal cord, it can be in different places at different times. It can be one of these diagnoses that is really challenging to make. The field of neurology uses a criteria set called McDonald's criteria to confirm or make the diagnosis of MS. And it, it looks at several things. It does look at imaging biomarkers. So if we look at MRI characteristics, we look at clinical characteristics, we typically want patients to have uh, different attacks over time and different attacks within the brain and spinal cord. We call that separation in time and space. Um, and yet, even though we have this clear criteria set, it actually still is very challenging sometimes to make and confirm that diagnosis. Mm -hmm. oftentimes leading to a delay in diagnosis and therefore a delay in treatment. Right. And are there, you talked about 60 some odd thousand dollars per year just for direct type medical costs. So there are certain treatments available. Are they treatments that delay, you know, worsening of the condition or how does that work? Yeah. So the uh, treatments, this is one of the, the positive notes uh, in mm -hmm the field of neurodegenerative diseases is it's one of the few conditions in that kind of category where we do truly have what we call disease modifying therapies, drugs that truly impact the underlying disease that's causing the damage. 
we now have over 20 drugs on the market. We have drugs that come from 10 different, what we call mechanisms of action. And that number is going to just go up. There are many new drugs, new categories and mechanisms that are in production or in studies at this point. Mm -hmm. So the great news there, Fred, is these drugs are designed to reduce that inflammation, prevent these attacks of multiple sclerosis, therefore preventing relapses and delaying or preventing disability. And ultimately, let's try and prevent progression of the disease. Mm -hmm. MS so I, is... Go ahead. MS is categorized typically as one of two types. Uh, there's a lot of thoughts. It's really more of a continuum. But the two categories people oftentimes break MS down into is what we call relapsing remitting and primary progressive. And just as Simply put it, relapsing remitting MS is about 85% of the population of patients with MS. And that's where you have these, you know, occurrences of an attack. <clears throat> so you have a flare up of symptoms and then they have a, um, a recovery period. Then they have another relapse and then they have a recovery period. So that's that relapsing remitting course, as opposed to about 15% of the population which have what a course called primary progressive, which from day one, after their first attack, they just continue to get worse over time. It's a much more aggressive form of MS, thankfully, the vast majority of patients have what we call that relapsing or admitting form. The therapies are all designed to really help prevent those relapses and delay and prevent progression and disability. Got it. So I would guess based upon what you've said that one, it's important to diagnose early and two, to know exactly where they are sort of in that phase of the disease. So how does Octave fit into that? Yeah, one of the challenges that um, we have as neurologists in treating MS is um, once the diagnosis is made, which again can be made through MRIs and spinal fluid and clinical features, but once that diagnosis is made, I have to select a therapy, one of those 20 plus drugs. And when I put a patient on a therapy, I don't have a great way of knowing if the patient is actually responding to that drug. So what happens prior to a solution like Octave is I'm essentially waiting on a negative event to occur. I'm either waiting on you to have a clinical relapse or I'm waiting on your MRI, your follow-up MRI in 12 or 18 months to show me, are there any new lesions? Fred, you don't want either one of those. You don't want a, you don't want a clinical relapse and you don't want your brain or spinal cord to show new lesions. And so that's what we were doing though. We were basically putting patients on therapy and then waiting on a negative event to occur to tell me if the drug's working or not. And so there were no tools to really help me as a neurologist or even my patients know where was their disease activity? Like what's the underlying biology doing this activity level? Second, I'll say is that I mentioned MRI already. MRI is, is, is the gold standard for monitoring patients with MS. The challenge with MRIs is that the reports are oftentimes very subjective in terms of the report we get back. And so there's a, with subjectivity on an MRI report, I, as the neurologist, am oftentimes left unclear on whether the whether the MRI is worse or not. And if I'm not clear, if you're not clearly telling me it's worse or not, 
then I'm very unlikely to make a change in your therapy, even though you may need it. Um, and then the third thing I'll add is lack of support between office visits. So MS patients typically see their neurologist every six or 12 months, depending on how they're doing. And I've already mentioned this relapsing or admitting course of MS, but patients all oftentimes have other symptoms that pop up. I mentioned fa fatigue and pain, and I haven't mentioned a lot of the other things like urinary tract infections. Um, but when you only see me every six or 12 months, there's a lot of care that's going unmanaged between those office visits. And so we kind of saw all three of those areas as gaps to solve for. One is, can we help under, help doctors and patients understand what's happening at the biological level? Number two, can we help neurologists and patients understand, is the MRI stable? Is it worse? And then number three, can we bring a solution that also helps support patients between those office visits? And for those of you just joining in, we're in the company of Dr. Mike Edgeworth, the Chief Population Health Officer at Octobiosciences, a company delivering an innovative precision care solution for patients with multiple sclerosis. And so dive into those. What are they? Yeah. So Octa's precision care solution for multiple sclerosis is essentially threefold. Uh, first, we have a blood-based biomarker, so a simple blood test uh, that measures 18 proteins in the blood. Uh, the studies we did, again, dating back to beginning in 2018, we looked at over 2,000 proteins in the blood, um, correlated from, these are from patients with multiple sclerosis and correlated with activity on their MRI. We started with over 2,000 proteins and then through advanced analytics and uh, data science, found a signature of 18 proteins produced the best signature for a measurement of disease activity. And it is highly correlated with MRI activity. So now I just have a simple blood test to know what's the disease activity level. At the high level, we give the patient and the, and the, the neurologist a single composite score. And the range is one to 10, and it's in 0.5 increments. And then we even break that into low, moderate, and high levels of activity. We also provide more detail behind that. I won't get into the details of it, but just the simple blood test can give you a quantified, a single number of how, how active is my disease. <clears throat> so just to give you an example of how that might be useful, if if you're a patient that's coming to me and, I, and you're a newly diagnosed patient, if I draw, you know, this blood activity level, um, I now have a baseline. And let's say you're an eight and I put you on a therapy. Now I can monitor in another three or six months, repeat that blood test and see it come down. And if it doesn't come down, let's switch you to something else before you have that clinical relapse or new lesion on your MRI. Um, so, and there are a number of other ways we think of the biomarker, the, the blood test is being useful, and we can go into that in more detail. I'll jump really quick to the MRI piece. Mm -hmm. So the MRI solution, so number two is MRI, is a combination of tech and human. So in our solution, it's uh, we have a advanced algorithms. So again, data science to we, we the MRIs are captured at the local MRI center. You're not going to a special MRI place. We make sure the 
Imaging Center is following a, a, an approved or standard protocol for our multiple sclerosis. But then once the images are taken, they just send them to us digitally. We process them through our advanced analytics and algorithms. And out of that, we are quantifying the lesion count and lesion volume. And so we're bringing, and we, we add on to that MS expert neuroradiologist. And what we want to do again is quantify bring clarity to what we're seeing on the MRI. So now I, as a neurologist, it's clear. There were four lesions last time. There were five this time. There was X volume of lesions. So if it's six months ago, now it's Y volume of lesions. So now I have a lot more clarity on what the MRI is actually showing. And then the third element of what Octave has developed is another tech and human uh, product. And this is for the directly for patient care. This is what we call our clinical insights program. We also, we also think of this as kind of being an extension of the neurologist office. So the tech is uh, a mobile application um, that is checking on medication adherence, symptoms, side effects to medications, other comorbid conditions. And we've designed it, uh, it to be tailored for each individual patient. In other words, we don't want patients thinking about their MS when they don't want to be thinking about their MS. We want them to be thinking about it when they when they need to be thinking about it. Maybe it's when they need to take their medicine. Um, and uh, this tool has been really helpful in supporting patients who have a flare-up of symptoms or side effects. The tech is combined with an MS-certified RN nurse that we employ. So now we have this tech and human expertise, the two of them together, uh, the nurse partners directly with each individual patient. Each patient has a single nurse. And the nurse becomes not only a resource to monitor adherence, monitor symptoms, side effects, looking for early warning signs for maybe a relapse or a silent urinary tract infection, but also comes, becomes a resource for the patient to interact with and ask questions um, because there's so much education required in patients with MS. So that's... I think Octave boldly came to the market with a solution for several gaps, the, the biology piece, the imaging piece, and then the clinical piece that I've described. So I assume that the health plans need to say, we're going to contract with you for these kinds of services? Or... That's right. We we look at, um, so my role, Fred, at, at Octave is, to take the entire solution to health plans and contract in what we call a value-based care manner, right? Your audience here will know that term very well. My goal is to contract for Octave Solution for health plans, MS lives, um, where we can take risk on the cost of our services against the total cost of care of MS. And uh, out of that, patients have improved outcomes, but also improved affordability. The other way we approach health plans, not all health plans, as you know, Fred, are, <clears throat> uh, I say that health plans have to have an appetite and an ability to contract for value-based care solutions. And um, I think almost every health plan has an appetite, um, but they also have limited resources. And so if they're already tackling oncology and MSK and other solutions. MS may not be on their radar yet to solve for. In that sense, we may go to health plans for just fee-for-service, just straight kind of provider, network provider, fee-for-service contracts where 
the biomarker has uh, positive coverage criteria, the imaging solution has a reimbursement method, and clinical insights can be supported in what we call care management uh, pathways. Mm -hmm. So when you look at this disease from a population health perspective, like you said, there are others out there that they may be focusing on early, but it clearly has a fairly substantial impact on the health plans as well as obviously individuals. Um, and so so should be something that I would assume that the plan should be beginning to take a look at. It 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 is, and it's on many of their radar already. And part of that is because of the cost on the specialty pharmacy side. Mm -hmm. It typically ranks in the top two to three of, of chronic diseases for specialty pharmacy spend within a health plan. So that's where it's beginning to get their attention. I mentioned, Fred, that the cost is 60,000 plus per patient mm -hmm. per year. About 70% of that is driven by the drugs for MS, what we call the disease modifying therapies or DMTs. Mm -hmm. They drive about 70%, if not higher, of the total cost of care for multiple sclerosis. These drugs, um, thankfully, they're very effective, uh, but they're also very expensive. And, and uh, uh, there are probably nine on the market that cost over $100,000 a year. Wow. On average, they're in that eighty dollars to $90,000 a year range. Not every MS patient is on uh, therapy, which is why the average cost is just 65. But those who are on therapy uh, are very expensive. It also leads to a patient's out-of-pocket expense being a major driver of non-adherence. They become unaffordable. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's really interesting that you've linked up the tech with a, a person, with a nurse, and uh, sort of have that education, care, management, care, coordination approach to it. You see a lot of people throwing out, hey, we've got this new technology. But there's something to be said. I mean, we're making progress with chatbots, but there's something to be said for having a nurse or somebody there who you can talk to. And I would think that would probably just as a guess help the individuals also, because we know, as you mentioned it, the whole mental health burden associated with illnesses like this can be really tough. So having somebody that you could talk to or possibly say refer to here, or you may want to look into some other service is probably very helpful. Completely agree. We don't we don't look at tech as replacing the need for human expertise. We do look at tech as being an absolute um, driver of enhancing the ability of humans to have more information, more data, and ability to interact and intervene. It, I'll use the behavioral health example you just highlighted. And so the the tech we deploy will deploy screening tools for things like depression and anxiety. And in multiple sclerosis, we know that depression and anxiety are, you know, 25 to 50% of the MS population will have depression or anxiety. And it is oftentimes underdiagnosed and undertreated. And so we use the tech to detect the presence of depression and anxiety. And then we deploy the nurse to have conversations, begin with motivational interviewing and uh, drive patients to have discussions with their provider about untreated or unmanaged anxiety or depression. So the tech is, is, an, is phenomenal to help identify, but the humans are still necessary to really help with the intervention. Well, that's a great way to finish up this episode. I want to thank you so much, Mike, for joining us. It's been a pleasure and really an insightful discussion learning more about MS and your approach. Thank you, Brad. Thank you so much for the time. And back to you, Greg. 
And there you have it, folks. That's a wrap on today's broadcast. We want to extend our warmest thanks to our fantastic listeners for tuning in. And our heartfelt appreciation goes out to Dr. Mike Edgeworth, the Chief Population Health Officer at Octobiosciences. They're the folks behind the groundbreaking precision care solution for MS patients. Stay updated with their groundbreaking work by following them on Twitter via at Black Abby Mike and at Octave Bio. And don't forget to explore their website at www.octavebio.com, especially if you're interested in precision care solutions for MS. If you find our Pop Health Week content as engaging as we do, please show your support. Give us a thumbs up on your favorite podcast platform, share it with your colleagues, and subscribe to ensure that you don't miss out on future episodes. Remember, we're live on Healthcare Now Radio weekdays at 5.30 a.m., 1.30 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern. And for our friends on the West Coast, that's 2.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 6.30 p.m. Pacific. From all of us at Pop Health Week, Fred Goldstein and yours truly, Greg Masters, we urge you to stay safe and stay tuned. And until next time, fare thee well. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.